This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 25th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. For all the blusters surrounding and, well, from this president, the degree to which he's aggrandized the chief executive is somewhat less than his recent predecessors. That's from Cato Vice President Gene Healy. He admits, of course, the bar is pretty low. He details his case in the latest issue of Reason magazine. To the extent that Trump derangement syndrome is is a thing that afflicts a lot of people in Washington, D.C. and around the country, almost all of it seems to focus on his outlandish conduct. Uh, and you've sort of taken a look at to what extent he's actually expanded the powers of the executive, which is a more enduring thing, we think. So to what extent has uh, this president altered or expanded the presidency as compared with somebody like Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Bill Clinton or George Bush or Ronald Reagan? Well, in order to answer the question of how imperial a president Trump has been, you do have to try to 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 separate the signal from the noise. And it's kind of difficult because there's so much noise, uh, so much of it from the president himself. I mean, uh, if nothing else, uh, this has been an exhausting, distracting, five-alarm fire, his brand is crisis sort of presidency. And, you know, I sat down to do this article for reason. I wanted to take a look at, all right, if you tune all that out, what has he done with the vast powers of the presidency that he's inherited? And has he expanded those powers in meaningful ways? And it turns out, if you can distract yourself from uh, the day to day drinking from a fire hose of, of news that 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 comes out of this presidency, uh, this has been surprisingly kind of a low energy presidency. Uh, Trump has certainly been uh, made aggressive use of the powers that he 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 inherited in in. January of 2017, Um, but he's added very few new weapons to the presidential arsenal. And he might even uh, become the first president since uh, Jimmy Carter to actually leave the executive branch weaker than he found it, which is a good thing if, like me, you think the executive branch is uh, far too strong already. And I can can totally understand why uh, this conclusion is counterintuitive. Uh, It took me a little time to get there because the fact is this just doesn't feel like a low energy presidency. Uh, If you listen to Trump and uh, listen to what he says and take him at his word, you would think it's the most imperial presidency we've ever had. There's this constant drumbeat of crank theories of executive power and like law school exam hypotheticals on a, on a, incessant basis. He's going to do another Saturday night massacre, fire the special counsel. He's tweets out that I have the absolute right to pardon myself, which is something that nobody, no other president, uh, since Richard Nixon, you know, at a time when Nixon was drunk and, uh, despairing and talking to portraits of presidents on the walls, no other president has seriously considered this, let alone in public. Um, and they, you know, do things like uh, the run up to the 2018 midterms. Uh, he, he he's going to 
revoke birthright citizenship with the stroke of a pen, something that you know implicates more than 4 million Americans. Uh, and what's striking is how many of these things in the final analysis turned out to be like your crazy uncle shouting at the TV things that don't get followed through. Uh, in the end, he doesn't file, fire Mueller. He uh, uh, makes no move to pardon himself. The birthright citizenship idea seems to be this pump fake to ra rally the base and distract the media because he never mentions it again after the elections and on and on. There's this familiar pattern of Trump hitting send tweet on insane theories of executive power and Everybody cancels their weekend to try to figure out if he can do that. And uh, it turns out you never had to take him literally or seriously. Uh, you are grading on a curve here. Absolutely. <laughs> and the, cur the, cur the, uh, the curve is a pretty big one. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it makes, always makes me think of uh, the, the famous phrase from uh, W, uh, the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. Because the fact is, Trump has been a very imperial president. He uh, he ramped up war on terror bombings uh, over the already, I, I believe, in his last year in office, Obama uh, dropped some 26,000 bombs on seven different countries. Uh, Trump had passed that nine months into his presidency. Uh, you know, the, there's no question he's made aggressive use of the already expanded powers of the office. Where he's done less than either Bush or Obama, however, is in adding new tools to that toolkit. Uh, there's really only a couple of instances where you can point to genuine executive power grabs that expand the powers over the baseline. So uh, I know that one of your laments at the end of the Obama administration was his I think Mike Lee called it a deathbed confession from <laughs> President Obama, the concern that he had left a loaded gun in the White House uh, for his successor. Sure. And he absolutely did. Obama, probably more than George W. Bush, is responsible for the expansion of the uh, 2001 Authorization of Use for the Use of Military Force, or AUMF, this uh, resolution that Congress passed three days after 9-11 into this all-purpose uh, fountain of authority for a presidential war. And, uh, you know, Trump hit the ground running with that. And uh, it's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, our, our involvement abroad and uh, the war on terror goes along on autopilot with very little congressional debate. So Trump took advantage of that uh, loaded weapon that Obama handed him, but uh, Again, it's not a weapon that he crafted himself. It's something that uh, that he inherited. Separating the signal from the noise, as you say, is is the real uh, challenge. But there has to have been somewhere that he has found opportunity to aggrandize the White House. Yeah, I think there there are two uh, what I'd call genuine executive power grabs, uh, new areas where uh, he's expanded the authority of the office. Uh, the first is. Uh, the use of uh, national uh, national security rationale to impose steel tariffs, and the second, you know, more familiar to all of us uh, recently, is invoking uh, national emergency powers to build his border wall project. Um, and the first one, the steel tariffs, uh, this is one of the few areas where Trump has uh, actually been 
quote unquote entrepreneurial in the use of executive power. He dusted off this. Uh, I mean, he's not the first president to impose tariffs uh, under one statutory regime or another. But what he did is he dusted off the the uh, provision of a Kennedy era law that allows the president to adjust imports upon a finding by the Commerce Secretary that current levels of whatever uh, good threaten national security. And it's really written quite broadly. Uh, it hadn't been used in the past for uh, you know things like uh, steel tariffs. Uh, it, it had been used to impose oil embargoes in, on Iran in 79 and Libya in 1982, sort of in the national security ballpark. Um, here he just, uh, you know, he, he got a finding out of, uh, Wilbur Ross, his commerce secretary that, uh, imported steel threatened, uh, uh, American national security threatened, uh, our ability to, uh, to, uh, maintain our military, even though the, uh, uh, Mattis's, uh, Pentagon was pretty equivocal about that. And, uh, you know, this is really a, a potentially broad area if a president's willing to use it. Uh, in a challenge to the move in court, uh, the judge asked uh, the Justice Department lawyer, well, could the president just say that imported peanut butter is a national security threat and uh, impose an embargo on peanut butter? And the DOJ lawyer really didn't give a straight answer to that question. So uh, extremely broad uh, statutory power that he's uh, made use of. Uh, the other one, of course, is a national emergency declaration. And what's new here is not the national emergency declaration. We've got 30 going on right now, dating back to the hostage crisis with Iran in 1979. But what is new is declaring a national emergency to tap uh, several billion dollars uh, to fund the pet project that Congress would not appropriate money for in the first place. And uh, that is new and it's pretty brazen. And, you know, what impact it's going to have is going to depend a lot on what happens in the courts. Uh, Trump has this weird way of sticking his foot in his mouth and shooting himself in the foot uh, by admitting that what he's doing is pretextual. He, he actually said when he was about to sign the paperwork for the emergency declaration that uh, I didn't need to do this. I, I just wanted to do it much faster. And if co the courts, you know, take judicial notice of that sort of thing, uh, they may end up actually uh, uh, restricting presidential emergency powers uh, to some extent. Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute and author of The Cult of the Presidency. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.